Some of you as parents are kind of at a spot in your life where you just feel as though the world is on fire around you. It is just falling apart. You're, you've, this isn't the, you don't understand any of it. This is not the world you grew up in. You're used to having three channels, if they're in, and if it's during the time that they're airing anything, did you know that the TV used to just stop at some point? Like, you used to get to the end of it. Just like Facebook, you used to be able to get to the end of your Facebook feed, and it would stop. You're like, oh, I guess that's all that I need to see for now. It's incredible. We're kind of all around this, trying to figure out this world, and some of us feel almost complete alien to the world that our kids and our grandkids are growing up in. And at Protect Young Eyes, we, as Pastor Luke has mentioned, we have been around for a little while. We've done a few talks. We've had opportunities to have some influence in a variety of ways. Our founder, our co-founder, Chris McKenna, he's a CEO, and he started Protect Young Eyes out of his student ministry. He was a middle school pastor writing app reviews for his parent newsletter, Somebody was in, connected with a local school. They said, our youth pastor seems to be knowing a lot of it about this stuff. He spoke in one of the local Christian schools. And then all of a sudden, he became the favorite person that the local news station would ask to do. When they had stories on Snapchat or some early um, social media platforms. And it began to grow and grow and grow. And we realized that as parents, there's a real easy way to just fall into fear of the unknown. And I want to let you know that we are here to help kind of clear that view for you, to give you instruction, to give you assistance. And ultimately, my goal tonight is to show you the love of Christ through our conversation on technology. I want to let you know that if you walk out of this room feeling as though you just had a 60-minute I have failed you. There's going to be some hard things we're going to talk about tonight. I'm okay with hard stuff. In fact, I saw in the conference room the the book, Do Hard Things. Great book by two young men who did. But I also want you to walk away encouraged. I want you to walk away informed. I want you to walk away empowered that you can make some very simple decisions this week to create a safer digital environment in your households. Speaking of households, this is what mine looks like. Family photo on the left, top left corner is my son-in-law, Marquel. He's 28 years old. In November of 2020, he married my daughter, Cheyenne. In this photo, the family photo, she is five months pregnant. And in April of this last year, so April 19th, just next month, um, my grandson, who I'm holding in the photo on the right, um, is going to have his first birthday. Next to my daughter, Cheyenne, in the white collared shirt is my son, Ryan. Cheyenne's 25 now, Ryan is 22, I was their youth pastor. And in 2010, they're biologically cousins, but they were raised by my son's mom. In 2010, mom passed away. And I was in the hospital hearing the great-grandparents talk. We don't know what's going to happen because they're cousins. It's very likely that they're going to follow the family tree. And, and Ryan was going to move to Hawaii where his dad was stationed in the military. And Cheyenne was going to move to um, rural Indiana where her mom and grandma lived. And they, as brother and sister, are going to be separated. And my wife and I had actually uh, prayed that the Lord would, al- would withhold giving us biological children until we could adopt older children. And he chose to answer that prayer through the adoption process of bringing Shine and Ryan into our home 
a matter of six days after saying we're willing to be an option, we were parents of a 12 and a nine-year-old. We learned about a bunch of creams and lotions and ashy skin and a whole bunch of stuff that we did no idea about. Let me tell you, we were ignorant. And it has been so much fun for patience to rule and to reign in our household as we learned all of the things. And for the glory of God, I was able to, the Lord called both of them onto himself. I was able to baptize both of them. And they are both leading their lives in adulthood for the glory of God and for the benefit of their local churches. And we're so thankful for that. My wife of almost 20 years in May will be our 20th anniversary. We're high school sweethearts. My mother-in-law changed my diapers in the church nursery. So we grew up in youth group together, and we dated for about four and a half years, got married, and in May will be 20 years we've been married. Uh, We also have a seven-year-old. His name is Joshua Douglas, JD, and he's the rule follower of our younger kids. And then sitting on my lap is my five-year-old son, Silas, and Silas is the reason we have the rules. And they both have great strengths and weaknesses for both of those. I love that Silas is an independent spirit and he's, he walks to his own drumbeat. And there's something about that that is honorable. As long as that drumbeat coincides with his creator's drumbeat, I'm cool with it. JD, on the other hand, again, having a rule follower is really fun to parent because they just do what they're told. But the problem is what happens when some of those voices start telling them to do stuff and they do what they're told and that message is one that is contrary. So it's helping, helping JD learn, okay, not every voice is worth listening to to the same degree. And so there's all of these different voices that are coming in and as a parent, as a family, I want to let you know that the world is not helping us out. Even in 2022, the numbers continued up to 35 million Im- sexually explicit images and videos of children were reported to NICMEC, which is the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. We have a couple of things that we're doing in Washington, D.C. with NICMEC and also NICOSI, which is the National Center on Sexual Exploitation, and wanting to partner with them and saying, hey, there are some things that we just need to be doing better about. And the hard thing is our kids are kind of fronted with the brunt of that responsibility to make wise decisions online. There's not a native environment for them to come through that is all about their protection. And so what we do is what we're trying to do is to flip this responsibility triangle and saying instead of letting, forcing kids to have to be the ones that have to say no to all of the content, let's create platforms and technology that is about safety and protection um, from its ground up. And so we're working with legislators in Washington, D.C. and on the state level and a a variety of different legislations that are going on currently. We're meeting with executives at Snapchat and Apple and Google saying there are things that can be done. There should be some age-based defaults that if your Apple ID says that you're nine years old, that you shouldn't have access to if if you are nine years old. And so there's, again, there's a lot of stuff that's in the pipeline that we're working on and trying to bring about. Again, we'll see what God does with all of it. But I want to let you know that there are organizations like ours, we're not the only ones doing this, but organizations like ours that are coming alongside to give a voice for parents and children and about the protection, especially and even with our grandparents as well. Because I find that some of the most um, 
impacted and, and tricked and manipulated and abused in our society are those that just don't understand technology. And that can be children and also be the elderly in our society. They grew up in a world where you trusted that the person talking to you was the person that they said they were. And so we're working to try to create safer digital environments for all people. We're working with the state of Utah. We're working with Snapchat and trying to help create a variety of different things. Why? Well, because we believe that training our children starts in the home. And so I want to let you know, moms and dads, please do not outsource the discipleship of your children to this church. Please do not outsource the discipleship of your children to your local Christian school. Please do not outsource the, the discipleship of your children to your Christian parents. God gave your kids to you. And as we go through this, we need to realize that that doesn't mean that those resources are not important in the lives of our kids. Leverage them, but do not let them replace you. When you're sitting down, when you're standing up and you're walking along the way, let it be as frontlets between your eyes, maybe upon the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that God is one. That is the verse that's leading up to this. This is the Shema. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Teach these things to your children. Make certain that they are knowing these things. Now, absolutely pray, plead for the well-being of your children, but let's also realize that there are some very practical things that we can do to create safer digital environments for our families. We believe that no middle school child is a better version of themselves with, with the presence of social media in their life. In fact, we would even say that smart technology shouldn't be in the hands of kids who are younger than high school and social media shouldn't be used by those under the age of 16. Now, as we work through this, we have scientific, not just spiritual or theological support for this. We have scientific proof when we look at the neurological development of adolescent and pre-adolescent children, the impact that our technology has upon their development is significant. In fact, we do an entire 90-minute talk on that topic alone. So as we work through all this, we need to realize that for some of you, that ship has sailed. You're like, Doug, you said what? At what age? I gotta let you know that Nicole, that um, that uh, the child, oh, come on, COPA, the Child Online Privacy Protection Act, a lot of letters in Washington, D.C., but the Child Online Privacy Protection Act states that you are not able to have a social media account. Your likeness, your name, all those things cannot be represented online until the age of 13, which is why you have to be 13 to get Snapchat, which is why you have to be 13 to get Instagram, which is why you have to be 13 to get Facebook. I talk in elementary schools all over the country that are riddled with kids with Instagram and none of them are 13. And the reason for that is because there's no age verification process. And so they can say, and I'll talk, talk to, to middle school students and say, you 11-year-old girls, the thing that you're doing, and maybe you're saying that you're pretending that you're 15 on Instagram, the same thing allows you to pretend to be a 15-year-old female on Instagram allows me to pretend to be a 15-year-old female on Instagram. And so we just need to be mindful of what is going on here. And so for some of you, we absolutely, that ship has sailed. And so whether you've said no, slow, or go, the ubiquity of technology demands that we need to be informed, engaged, and involved in the digital lives of our kids and our families. And I, again, I want to let you know, we aren't here. This is a no shame zone. I don't want this, again, to feel like this is a verbal tongue lashing of how you're failing as a parent or a grandparent. That is not my intention. I just want to give you an understanding and a foundation and a, and a drive because I find that when we make decisions from something, 
we're a lot more committed to those decisions. And so as we're working through this, and I want to give you a a digital trust framework, and you all have note-taking guides. If you didn't get one, please go ahead and raise your hand, and hopefully somebody can uh, hand one to you. But there's note-taking guides for you. You'll find on there that there is a pixelated image on there. All right, I see that hand. Um, All right, we're going to start having a revival in here, right? Um, So as we think through this, we're going to have those QR codes, those pixelated squares you see all over there. If you take out your phone and you open the camera app and you hover it over that, it will recognize all that gobbledygook as something that is meant to bring you as a link to something else, all right? I have no problem during this presentation, you getting out your phones and taking screenshots. There's going to be a number of QR codes on the screen for blog posts that we've written, a variety of other things. I want to know that I have no problem with you doing that. And if you just need to check, the, I don't know what ball games are going on right now, but if you need to check the score or your email and you just want to pretend like you're taking a picture of a screen, I've, I don't care. I don't care. The fact that you are here for this, this amount of time to listen about this topic, I'm happy. So if, if there's a QR code and you need to respond to that really quick, just go ahead and pretend and just do that and put it down whenever I change the slide. I don't care, all right? But take the time as we go through this digital trust framework. I find as parents, especially, especially in the church, but in a, a variety of places, I find as parents many times we end up being kind of like this category on the far right side when we talk about digital trust. And when we look at this, we, we see that these kinds of behaviors actually erode digital trust. We are parents who are spying on our kids. I have no problem with you monitoring your kids. In fact, I would encourage you, if your child has a device, there better be some sort of monitoring or filtering platform or, or assist software on that device. But I also would say you need to make certain that your kids know about it. There's no reason why you need to be hiding this. Because what I have found and what we have found is when we try to do things in secret, all it breeds is more secrecy. And so if I'm I'm trying to catch my kids doing something wrong on their device, I promise you, your kids are going to be working just as hard to make sure that you don't catch them doing something wrong on their device. And it becomes a cat and mouse game where there is not breeding trust and, and responsibility and accountability and conversation. It actually isolates you and create and breaks down and erodes the trust that we're supposed to be building in the lives of our families. And so this spying or helicopter or working from a, con, a consistent position of fear or wanting to control every environment that our kids are in. Some of us have our kids say to us regularly, Mom, Dad, not everybody's doing dumb stuff on their phones. Don't you trust me? And some of the times it's like, no, to be honest. Because I don't trust myself with some of this stuff either. There's sin that still tries to raise its head within my own heart. There's opportunities for lust and deceit and lying and and coveting and a variety of other different things that this brings to me. So sure, in one way, I don't trust you because I don't even trust myself. But ultimately, the reason why I have this out there is because whether you're 414 or or 40, one-on-one with the internet, eventually we all lose. So we need to be mindful of this. And so on the other side, some of you had parents like that. And you're like, when I grow up, I am never going to force my kid to do anything that they don't want to do. And so we swing the pendulum over to this other side. 
and we evade this digital trust process. We're passive in our parenting. We're silent when we should be speaking up. We choose not to learn about the digital world that our kids are growing up in. And we're apathetic because you know what? We had porn when we were kids. They have stuff now. It's not that big of a deal. I figured it out and grew up and it's okay. I gotta let you know, it's just, it isn't the same. It is fine-tuned. It is curated. It is a paying attention to your attention and feeding you more of what it is that your heart, your, the sinful affections of the heart are longing for. And I got to let you know that you, we cannot be passive. We never should have been passive in our parenting. You look at how Joshua, after, after him, the next generation rose up not knowing the Lord or what he had done for Israel. That's a whole generation, from my perspective, of passive parents. And so it's our responsibility to make certain that we're engaged, involved, informed in those kinds of things. And you're like, Doug, that's so overwhelming. Where do we start? I'm glad you're here. We're going to take our time to work on this hard work in the middle where we believe that digital trust is created. And you better believe I'm, or I'm an ordained Baptist minister, so it's going to be alliterated. We got five C's for you this evening. Copy me, co-play, curiosity, conversation, and coaching. And we're going to talk through these five C's. And you have, it again, in your note-taking guide, these things. And so let's dive into it. This copy me. We need to start looking in the mirror and asking the question, do I want my kids using their technology the same way that I use mine? Where I use it, how I use it, what I use it for. For some of us, we have no problem with when our kids come home from school checking whether it's a recipe that we're going to cook for dinner or checking our email or the sports scores or whatever it is, finding out what's going on in Washington, which never improves my day. Um, but whatever the case may be, and, and your kid's talking to you about stuff, you're like, yep, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, right, yep, uh-huh. And, we're, and then when our kids, we're talking to them saying, hey, can you do this, this, that, and then, or after practice, we're going to do this, or all these other th- things, and they're going like, uh-huh, yep, uh-huh, right, uh-huh, yep. And we're patient with them, right? Put down that phone when I'm talking to you. Show me some respect. And some of our kids would have every right in the world to say, you first. So we just need to be mindful of the kinds of patterns and behaviors that we are intentionally and unintentionally teaching our kids. I was a youth pastor for 12 years at the same church and an outreach and discipleship pastor at that same church for another three years. I was at a church for 15 years and over 15 years you get to see the little kids grow up and you get to know their parents over the the years. And as they come into the youth group, you're like, I know exactly where that face came from. That facial expression I've seen in your dad a thousand times or the way that you just said that joke or you said it in that way, that's what your mom always does. And why? Because they're paying attention to us. And those are the fun things. We also need to be mindful of the ways that we are teaching our kids. In fact, Colin Karchner, a good friend of Protect Young Eyes who tragically passed away just a few years ago, said this, showing your kids you love them is 2% effort and 98% just putting down your phone. We need to be mindful of what we are doing and what we are teaching. In fact, USA Today wrote this article linking our smartphone use with a generation ago's secondhand smoke. In this article, it says this. 
Regular quality interactions with parents, talking, listening, singing, reading, and playing together fuel children's language development and their acquisition of communication skills. In fact, an entire study called the Stillface Experiment, if you want to go to YouTube and search Stillface Experiment, you see a variety of videos on this. And what this is, it's a study where they observe a parent engaging with a child and all of the mirroring behaviors. When a child smiles, you smile. They do all the different things and back and forth and back and forth. And it's great and awesome. And then all of a sudden, the parent stops and puts the phone up. And the reason why they call it the still face experiment is, is have you ever looked at yourself when you're scrolling through your Instagram? Pretty still face. You're not responding and engaging with anything out here. If you smile or respond at all, it's all that's right here. And so the phone is a physical barrier, so baby can't see mom or dad's face anymore. But then also all of the looking away and looking back and all the tricks that baby does to try to re-engage are not working. They go from very satisfied and loved to dejected and discouraged in a matter of moments. So we need to be mindful. In fact, if you look at a variety of different organizations, they agree almost no sedentary screen time for ages zero to two. Less is almost always best. And how adults use tech impacts how they use tech. That's our copy me piece. And what we have found is that there are places uh, for us to engage in the inter- on the internet that are more dangerous than others. And this doesn't mean only just looking at the seedy, pornographic, kind of risky stuff. This could be just you're up way too long watching fail videos or watching whatever the case may be, reading that next article, reading this, that, when you should have just gone to bed. And you're up just making dumb decision after dumb decision. You're going to bed one, two, three o'clock in the morning, getting up to go to work and coming back, and you have nothing to give to your family all day. So you're kind of lackadaisical, but then they all go to bed, and then you stay up again. And so we call this the toxic trio. We, when we combine bedroom, darkness, and boredom, whether you're 4, 14, or 40, we tend to make worse choices when this toxic trio is present. In fact, we talk about the most dangerous places for kids to be online. Bedroom is one. Bathroom is two. Grandma and grandpa's house is also on the list. School buses and friends' houses. Each of those. Think of where your kid probably feels most safe in all the world behind the closed door of their bedroom. You're adding in the internet to that. Nobody can get me. I'm safe in here. I want you to think of it this way. Think of bringing a webcam into the bathroom. The place where you're most, so, you're most sexually exposed, and you're bringing a webcam into this. You're letting your kids bring webcams into that. Again, school buses, think of the adult-to-child ratio. Grandparents' houses, our grandparents, the grandparents didn't grow up knowing all this kind of stuff. They have no idea how to set these things up. They're just glad they have Wi-Fi so the grandkids will come over and actually do the same thing they always do, just at least in your living room, which is not pay attention to you, and you hope that you bring them enough cookies. They'll say, hey, oh, grandma's here. Yeah, you've been here for an hour and a half. Um, thanks for acknowledging me, right? But having those opportunities so we can be talking through these things. And also, when it comes to thinking of this copy me, of the kind of behavior we want to see replicated in our kids, how many of you are glad that you did not grow up having your child's photo album plastered all over the internet? Think back to when you were 11, the real awkward stage from 11 to about 14. Think about the photos of you in the bathtub and you're naked behind 
Our kids are growing up with digital footprint that they had no control over curating it. And now they're getting older and now there's stuff out there that is searchable and connected to them. And we need to be mindful of that. So it's odd to think about getting consent from our kids before posting something on the internet. Some of you would have never thought that before. But I want you to consider, is this something that I should ask my child about before I post this? And as we consider thinking through these things, especially you fathers in the room, in all of this, please do not provoke your children to wrath. On the flip side, our responsibility is to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. If we are, as dads, leading our homes and anger is reigning and ruling in our home, we're shouting at people or being short-fused and those kinds of things, we are not creating an environment for flourishing spiritually, emotionally, fill in the blank. So maybe the Lord needs to work in our own hearts as we go through this and thinking and offering and asking for forgiveness for the anger that has such a seemingly quick activity to the surface. <laughs> That's copy me, co-play. Shoulder to shoulder activities. These kinds of things, we find they open up bridges of conversation and connection with our kids. Understanding how our kids use technology by doing technology with them is a wonderful window into their heart. Cheyenne and Marquel and Ryan and Baby Q is what we call them. Um, they don't live in our house. JD and Silas do. They used to, but we kicked it. I mean, they grew up and moved out. Um, <laughs> I miss them. But with JD and Silas, we limit the amount of time because, again, you saw that, that, that less is almost always best and no sedentary screen time from ages zero to two. And how parents use tech impacts how kids use tech. Again, those studies. We have found that after, and as studies have shown over and over and over again, that mental health really start to deteriorate at an alarming rate after about three hours on, in front of a screen in a day. Anxiety, depression, suicidal ideations, a variety of different things start to show up more and more in the lives and the hearts and the minds of our kids. So JD and Silas, they get to watch shows for one hour on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Silas was two when he knew the days of the week because he knew how many days it was from Tuesday to Friday. Because that was show day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I now will play a couple of races of Mario Kart on my iPad with my boys. Just fun, lighthearted. Gives us an opportunity to do something. Um, and to enjoy each other. And while we're doing that, we can talk about a variety of different things. Stuff that's going on in the game, sure. Other things, sure. One of the things I loved about being a youth pastor is road trips. Because kids who might not have ever said a word to you in the last three years of student ministry are sitting in the car next to you and you have the distraction of the open road and their mouth just goes nonstop. And you're like, what happened? I've, you haven't, I've tried forever. And, like, and all of a sudden, we, we had something we could look at. There wasn't the... Um, 
And I seem, I, I like to think that I'm kind of an approachable person, but some people, everyone is not approachable, and you'd rather just live life isolated, and the world is better when you have to engage with no one. And I get that. I've never been that person. I don't think I'll ever be that person, but I understand that that exists. But to be making certain that we have these shoulder-to-shoulder activities so, so then we can see, hey, when they're playing the game, we get to see how they respond when they lose. We get to see how they respond when they win. If there's any sort of chat or, or engaging with other players, what kind of language and things do they talk about? All these kinds of things, we get to see this when we do this with our kids. If technology is primarily an isolating device, then it is a harm to the development and the growth of your family. I'm okay with our technology isolating us from time to time, but if our, if our technology always isolates instead of brings us together, it is destroying the fabric of your family. So we need to be mindful of these things. We get a window into their heart. Do a quick little quiz here. What's the icon in the top left corner? What app is that? Among Us. All right. I just want to know that Among Us came from younger sounding voices on this side of the room. I'm just saying. The one in the top center. TikTok, top right. Snapchat, bottom right. Bottom right. The one with the blue and the, like, that's Discord. Anybody heard of Discord? All right. The red with the white triangle. The one, the camera with the rainbow kind of effect behind it. Instagram, bottom left. Just read it. Be real. Anybody ever heard of Be Real? All right. Be Real was the number one downloaded app for about seven weeks straight, beginning in August through October, in both Apple and Android platforms. And what it is, it's supposed to be the, almost the anti-social social network, meaning it is all about you get a notification and within two and a half minutes you have to post a picture of what you're doing to try to catch you in real life. Because Instagram is such a polished thing. We can take a picture, put the filters on it, do all those other different things, take 40 different angles and try to find the one that doesn't look the worst, you know, and all of that stuff. And so we're doing all this stuff and then, but be real, it's supposed to be that raw, authentic, real life kind of thing. All of these apps, if you go to protectyoungeyes.com and you go on our website, we have parental control guides and, print and reviews on not only these apps, but another 100 plus apps. What the app description is in both the Apple and Android platforms and what the description says it is, what the rating is, um, what it's said to be used for, how it's actually being used. There are platforms that are ma- meant for great good that are used for great harm. And if you read the app store description, you think, oh, this is a pretty great app. And then you find out, oh, it's actually being used for bullying. Okay. So to be thinking through these kinds of things. And the way that we know about these things is by doing activities together. And in the midst of doing that, asking questions. Being curious. Again, if all the text conversations you have with your kids are consequence or punishment related, what's the likelihood that they're going to come and talk to you when something really serious happens? If they're getting walloped for something that they think is really insignificant, but then something really significant happens, think they're going to come and talk to you about it? This is the activity of, again, trying to build digital trust with our kids. 
working through this, asking the, and having these questions and while you're playing the games or while you're, again, sitting down, standing up, walking along the way, saying, hey, who are some of the, the, the channels on YouTube that all of your friends seem to be following? What apps does everybody have that you wish that you could have on your device? What things have you seen that you think that I would really like? This doesn't have to be all like bad stuff. Like, hey, what, have you ever seen any channels or different things you think that you thought, oh, my mom would really like that. When you're on Roblox and you're playing, has anybody that you didn't know tried chatting with you? How did you handle that? While you're on your device, has anybody ever sent you an inappropriate picture of themselves? Maybe showing parts of them that are supposed to be covered by their swimsuits. Again, a very age-appropriate way to talk about sexting and nudes and pornography. In the parts of the body that are covered by swimsuits. If the answer is yes, I want to let you know that a lot of you are going to find out that your kids have been engaging with stuff that you had no idea. When they say yes, I want to let you know that you need to make certain that in that precise moment, you remain calm. If you have not instructed your kids on how to handle that stuff and before giving them the device, you are on very shaky ground disciplining them for doing dumb stuff on a device that is rigged for their destruction. So if we're not willing to do the hard work to set the devices, to have the conversations and all those kinds of things before giving them the device, then, they, then you are not ready for them to have the device. We don't have to talk about if your kids are ready or not. You aren't. As a parent, as a concerned adult in the life of your child. So as we go through this and this curiosity and asking these questions, some of you are going to find out that your kids have been looking at some stuff on their devices. I want to let you know that it's not always lustful intent in the lives of our kids. I find many times our sons see porn for the first time. They're searching something because they found some of the other buddies talking about it. And it's kind of that locker room banter. And it's like, well, if all the other guys know about it and I don't, that means that I'm still a little kid and I want to be grown and a man. And so identity starts getting wrapped up in this. And I, I need to be somebody who knows what this is so I can talk about it. And they start saying, okay, this is where my identity is stemmed from, not being created in the image of God, but being somebody who knows about this. And they go start searching for it. I find many times our daughters end up, I want to be loved. I want to be told that I'm beautiful. I want to have a boyfriend. I want someone to care for me. And it seems like all the guys are looking at this. And so they're all asking me for these kinds of pictures. And so I need to find out what they're even talking about because I don't know what it is. And my value is no longer I'm one for whom Christ died. I'm attaching my value to being loved by a stranger. And so our kids are asking that question, who am I and do I matter? And, and porn is saying, I have an answer for you. And so if you want to read our blog post on that, you can go ahead and do that. Again, this is where you take the camera up, your phone up, and open up the camera app, and you see it, and it'll recognize that. Um, depending on what platform you're on, it may be a little yellow box that goes around it or something else, and you just tap on it, and it'll, open, it'll bring you to our blog post on this. And so as we're talking through this, in this preparation of our kids, we need to realize that for some, a a great deal of wisdom can be presented through following what we call the seven-day rule. And what we mean by this is before your child is able to download an app on their device, you download it on your device and mess around with it for seven days. 
Like, Doug, you can control that? You can, you can have them not download certain things? Absolutely you can. Well, how? On our website, we have parental control guides on both Android and Apple devices with circles, arrows, tap here, swipe here, go to this, screenshots, all of this. We are assuming that you just came from a different planet, have never seen one of these, these things before, and you're going to know how to set it up. But you absolutely can set up your child's device so that they cannot download or delete apps on their device. And in the seven days when they... When they're asking, hey, mom, dad, can I have this app on, your, on my device? You download on your device, and I want to encourage you to create uh, an account that is like your child. So if you have an eight-year-old son, see if you can even create an account as an eight-year-old male. If you have an 11-year-old daughter, see if you can even create an account, because some of these you can't, be, you can't have until you're 13. Some you can't have until you're 17. And so all of a sudden, you're like, well, how come I can't have this? Well, sweetheart, you're not this age yet. Well, all my friends have it. I can't answer for your friends. But I got to let you know that in this house, we're going to set things up because if we start a relationship with social media willing to lie about ourselves to get what we want, it doesn't stop with the account creation. We will continue to lie about ourselves to get what we want. Any relationship that starts on falsehood and on a lie is not a relationship that is built on a solid foundation, whether in the digital world or in real life. And so we need to be mindful of this. So do these things. And over those seven days, the reason why I would say seven days instead of just a quick little review is because there's going to be the ways that these apps are, are coded is that they're going to be paying attention to your attention and they're going to notice that you're not using this sort of feature or this other thing. And so they're going to get notifications. They're like, wow, on the, on the surface level, I was good with it. But then all of a sudden, day three or four comes in and I'm like, whoa, I'm so glad I said no because it's hard to put toothpaste back in the tube. And so taking the time to, to wrestle with this, say, okay, is this something that I'm going to allow to be brought into my household? And so as we're wrestling through all these things, take the time to do this because what we have found out, and in all of our test accounts, on Instagram, we created an account and said that we, as a, as a teenage girl, we created a, a test account. So did the Wall Street Journal and others have done this. We're not unique to this. Within a week, we had dozens of images of men's genitals being sent to us through direct messaging. Even after we said, please stop, we're only 12. So in order for you to know how these apps are being utilized, it may take some time. Figure it out. Decide, is this something I want access? And so what we did with our kids is it went from you could not download or delete any apps without me putting in a, a pin or a code. Then it progressed to you could download but not delete. So my kids are at school. They download an app. They can't delete it and hide it from dad because it's on there. And then they get older into high school and, and getting, you know, 15, 16 years old. It's like, okay, I need to, I hopefully have done the work to build character within you through the work and the help of the Holy Spirit to build character in you. And I need for you to fail while you are still under my roof. And so I'm going to let you download and delete apps. 
but we're going to have open conversations. I'm going to know your pin. I'm going to be able to log into your phone whenever I want. You still can't bring your cell phone into your bedroom or bathroom. You're going to charge in the living room. And I'm going to look at it and check things out every now and then. And this isn't something I'm doing secretively. This is something I'm being very open and honest with my kids about saying, this is how it's going to be. Technology is a we activity, not a me activity. All devices in our home are co-owned. This is dad and Ryan's cell phone. This is mom and Cheyenne's tablet. This is something that we do together. And so as we wrestle through all these things, we need to realize that our kids are not just uniquely evil. or given to these kinds of things. If all of this tech was available when we were their age, we'd be doing the same things. Let's give them a little grace. Let's let them know that this is a tough world. You think it's hard raising a kid in this age? Just think how hard it is being a kid in this age. We grew up with 15, 20, 30 voices that we trusted to speak into our life from our church, our home, our school, our family, our friends. And we only had those competing voices to deal with. Our kids now, with the advent of the internet, now have millions of voices speaking into them, trying to answer life's biggest questions. And it is crumbling them from the inside out. And we need to show love and grace to our kids because they are not ready for the power of the internet. So it is the assumption that they are going to fail. But it's also our responsibility to be there to pick them up, point them back to Jesus. Love them through it. I remember when Ryan saw pornography for the first time in our house. He had just, we had just changed schools. He was, again, trying to figure out some new friends. They said, hey, you should look at something. He goes home, searches it. We have monitoring and filtering stuff on all of our devices. It comes up that somebody, that a certain thing was searched. I go and I, I, Check with, I knew it wasn't me. I checked with Rose. It wasn't her. Check with Cheyenne. It wasn't her. This is before JD and Silas were even born. So I go to Ryan and I know that it's him. But I'm still going to give him the opportunity to talk about this. And so I asked him, hey man, some stuff came up. And before I could even get to it, he knew exactly what we were talking about. And just tears are just flowing out of this kid's eyes. And based upon some of his childhood experiences, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he never would have searched this out on his own. And so we cried together, we prayed together, we made some more decisions and saying, hey, these are some things, see how easy it is for this to happen, this is always just right there, this is why we talk about these kinds of things. And and again, it was something he just did in a moment on the family laptop, out in the open, because he didn't know what it was. In that moment, I could brought the hammer, because sometimes I'm a hammer and everything looks like a nail. And I just want to wallop everything, right? That's, my kind of, that's kind of my, my default is like, <laughs> right? And it's like, it, for me, it's like, okay, grace, compassion. I'm going to model to you as your earthly father what my heavenly father is modeled to me. And that is grace upon grace upon grace. 
So as we go through this, it's having these kinds of conversations, wrestling with these kinds of things, and saying, buddy, this is how we're going to do this better moving forward, because if I haven't instructed you on how I want you to respond when this happens, I can't bring the hammer, because it's more a reflection on my failure to prepare you for this before I gave you access to this technology than it is you, your heart. You would ask Cheyenne and Ryan, you ask J.D. and Saz, what's your dad's role in your life? And it's, it, they would say without even hesitating, to provide, to prepare, to protect. It's my responsibility to provide what my family needs, to prepare them for life, and to protect them from harm. Why? Because I believe that that's what my Heavenly Father's responsibility is, to provide all things that I need for, for him, to know him and to make him known, to prepare me for life, to protect me from harm. And if I have not prepared them, then it is more on me than it is on them. So those, that curiosity leads to conversation. So I've asked these questions, and now it's like, okay, you're seeing and engaging with stuff that I didn't realize. It's time for us to have a conversation about this. And maybe this conversation has to be after four to five minutes of you just going alone into your room and praying and crying and shouting into your pillow because the innocency of your child has just been stripped from you and you held it and you did keep your composure in front of them, but you needed to let it out because the next word was going to come out if I wasn't careful. And so I need to go into my room and get thing all right and then come back out and say, okay, but we need to talk about this. Next time when this happens, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put it down and tell someone. When someone you don't know that tries talking to you on the internet, somebody sends you an image, you see something that's scary or inappropriate, or you know mom and daddy wouldn't want you seeing it, or people are talking about things that you know aren't right, I want you to put the device down and come and talk to me. Talk to your kids, grandkids, everyone, about all the awkward things that nobody talked to you about when you were a kid, because I promise you, Dr. TikTok, Dr. YouTube, Dr. Snapchat... Their offices are open 24-7, and they will have these conversations with your kids. As a dad, it was my goal to be the top three, one of the top three to five resources my kids went to when they had a question. I knew friends were going to get asked. I knew Google was going to get asked. I knew a variety of things were going to happen and going to get asked. But I hoped to, be, to have created an environment that I was on the list. It was way easier for Cheyenne than it was for Ryan. Cheyenne would come to us and ask just a bunch of questions. Even in her pregnancy, if she couldn't get a hold of Rose, she would ask me questions. I'm like, sweetheart, never been pregnant. Um, and so I can answer to what I've observed. I'm the firstborn of six, so my mom was pregnant most of my childhood. My wife has given birth to two kids. Three of my four sisters have given birth to children. I've been around a lot of pregnant women. This is my observation as a ignorant man. Please follow up with mom when you get a chance, right? There was a time when she was 14 years old, maybe, and she joined her family. She was 12. She came to me. She's like, dad, I was like, what's up? I'm like, all right. You really want to know? Yeah. Okay. Well, sweetheart, you know what dysfunction means? You know, start with the easier of the two terms, right? Um, do you know what dysfunction means? If something doesn't function, it doesn't work the way that it's supposed to. Okay, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Dysfunction, yeah, yeah, I got it. And the way that she said no was kind of like a, I'm pretty certain that I do, but I don't want to guess and it be wrong. So, like, no? Like, okay, well, this is what I'm... Hold on a second! And she ran out of the room. I 
was like, way to go, Dad. Uh, blew that one. Um, not even a minute later, comes back into the room with a teddy bear, sits on the couch next to me with a teddy bear, puts that on her lap, plugs the teddy bear's ears, says, okay, go ahead. I was like, okay. So we talked about it. Having these kinds of conversations, creating that environment. Because what we need to realize is in all of this that there is going to be a time that we are going to have to have conversations and be that voice so we can set the defaults in the minds and the hearts of our children. They need to be able to have something to compare the new knowledge to. Like, well, that's not what my dad said. Or that's not what the Word of God says. That's not what my mom told me. Because they don't know that there's going to be people that may give them misinformation. Some of you are like, are you serious, Doug? Five? How do we have that conversation? How do we go through this and be able to say, that's kindergarten, Doug? Yeah, it is. It is. In fact, I would say a good goal is to have at least 10 conversations with your child about pornography before they're 10 years old. Because most kids are coming into contact with it by that age already anyway. When we give our student talks, in elementary school, I'll split the room in half and we'll talk about this, put it down and tell someone. When you see a, a picture that makes you feel uncomfortable or shows parts of people that are covered by their swimsuits or other cases with you, or someone you don't know tries to talk to you, or someone online asks you to keep a secret, you know, all these other different kinds of things. And I split the room in half, and I'll say, okay, when I point to this side of the room, I want you to say, put it down, and do a hand motion. When I point to this side of the room, I want you to put your hands around your mouth and say, tell someone. And so I'll, and I'll say, okay, so first we're going to start as a secret, a whisper. And so they're like, and like, tell someone. And then we get louder and louder until they're just shouting their faces off. And they love it. But it's again, and then we're like, okay, who are those people? What happens at home? Talk to our mom and dad. Awesome, that's great. Yes, what happens at school? Talk to the teacher. Yes, you're right. What happens at your friend's house? Talk to their mom and dad. Yes, you guys got this. Way to go. To, let, to give them those tools to be able to navigate through these kinds of things. Because honestly, tricky people, and this is the term that we give to elementary school students when talking about online predators, tricky people are everywhere. No longer is it the van with no windows and the person in the corner of the park giving free ice cream and puppies to kids. It's anybody online that they don't know. So we say, if you don't know them off the internet, we don't talk to them on the internet. Anybody who wants to engage with you online is a tricky person because you have no idea if they are who they say they are. And so as we go through and talk with students about this, and as parents as we're talking through this, of trying to help this, what this, what, what this stranger danger looks like in the digital age, helping our kids navigate this kind of stuff because we need to be preparing for them. Because any app that has a chat feature is going to have predatory activity. Every single one of them. Because where the kids are is where the predators are. So we have to ask this question, does your child know beyond any shadow of a doubt that they can always land softly with you? 
And if they can't, that's conversation number one before they go to bed tonight is you apologizing and saying, buddy, I'm sorry for how I've handled some of this stuff in the past. I want to let you know I love you so much. And there are just some things when I find out about them that it makes me so angry because I didn't know that this was going on. And, it's, and for me, it feels like it's an attack on you. And as your parents, my responsibility to protect you. And I get just upset. And I'm more, I'm more upset with that that happened. I'm more upset with me than I am with you. But it sure seems like I'm upset with you. And I'm sorry for that. Will you please forgive me? I'm no, I've never done this before. Um, and so can you just help? Can we just have some grace and patience with each other as we're going through this? A soft answer turns away wrath. So let's have these conversations and then finally we get into this coaching. This isn't about parental controls or this isn't about, yeah, parental controls is about caring controls. Can you imagine if you were a teenager and your parents come to you and said, you know what, I have this amazing concept that we're going to implement during your teen years. It's called parental control. Think you've been ready to receive that as a 13, 14-year-old kid? Yeah, absolutely. The, the one thing I was longing for in my high school years was more of your control in my life, mom and dad. Thank you. You were reading my mind. You know what? Let that just be my birthday present for the next couple of years because I am so thankful. <laughs> None of us would have been there. So invite them into the process. They know about, more about this stuff anyway. You want to set up parental controls on your, on your router? Invite them into the process. And then say, at the end of this, you're going to show me how to change the password because I'm going to change it after you leave the room because I have no idea what I would do if you logged in after I left and changed it all back to whatever you wanted. I don't know what we just did. But invite them into the process. Any rule that they help us create is a rule that they are more bound to obey. So you'll find on your, on your note-taking guide that there's a QR code that says Digital Trust Playbook. This is a document that I highly encourage you to look at, to scan, look at it, print it out, and fill it out. It's got a lot of empty spaces, but it's, a, it's kind of a, a digital trust, uh, uh, we call it playbook, but I would call it like a digital code of conduct. Devices are owned by whom? Oh, devices can be used for how much time each day? Devices can be used where? If it breaks, who's responsible for it? And it's a contract that you and your child sign. So we're going to talk through a bunch of things now to kind of give you some simple resources to kind of point you in the right direction. We can't answer everything. In fact, what I'm about to talk to you right now, we have an entire 90-minute presentation on on the layers of, of uh, guarding our digital doorways. And we have a layered approach and starting with the foundation and rootedness in God and then this digital trust framework of copy me, co-play, curiosity, conversation and then the router and then the device and then the apps and all of that stuff. We dive deeper into all of these things. So what I'm about to share with you, we take 90 minutes to do. So buckle up, partner. We're about to drink from a, from a fire hydrant. All right? So one, your router... The router is that thing that has the flashing lights on it connected to the wall that you get internet from. All right? We have found that the best manufacturer of routers when it comes to parental controls and monitoring and filtering and a variety of things that are built within itself is Griffin. They have a variety of different routers that are out there. 
Um, the tower is, if you have a house that's like 1,800 square feet or larger, you'll need the larger tower. If you have a house that's you know, 1,500, 1,700 square feet or less, then the Guardian will cover. Or if you want multiple zones, then the Guardian may be the way to go. The AX is their most recent device to come out. It has mesh technology, and that's as nerdy as I'm going to get because some of you don't even know what I just said. But managing with this, with the Griffin routers, you can manage every device on your network from your phone. You can implement parental controls, monitor network security, and even keep an eye on your kid's internet activity no matter where you are. There's an app that you can go into that, and they also, beyond the router, the router in and of itself is good. But if you want it to travel with your child's device, because the router is only good when they're connected to your Wi-Fi. If you want it to travel, all of the settings you have to travel with their device, they have another service for that. And it's kind of like, I, I, I say it's like the network, the, the, net, the Netflix. It's like that 7 to 10 $15 a month is like everybody is in that range. They have that. But if you buy the router, you get three months, I think, of it for free to kind of try it out and see if you like it. But again, we have found that Griffin is what we have found to be the best. And what this QR code is a link to is a blog post that it's a deep dive into internet routers. So this isn't bringing you to Griffin's website. You will have links from this to Griffin and others. But I want to let you know that this is kind of a a one-stop shop blog post that we've written on your routers and those kinds of things. For those of you, because you're like, okay, Doug, you said that no smartphones until high school and no social media until 16. I need to get a hold of my kid. And there aren't pay phones anymore. Do y'all have pay phones around here anymore? Sometimes I get into some of the, some other towns like, oh yeah, we got a pay phone at the Winn-Dixie or whatever it is, or the Piggly Wiggly or fill in whatever strange grocery store name that you have around town. Growing up for me, I found my niche on the stage. I did a lot of plays, musicals, dinner theaters, concerts, all that kind of stuff. So I had a lot of after-school rehearsals. And I would go to the bank of payphones at my high school and call my parents collect because I'm the firstborn of six and my dad's a pastor. We didn't have quarters just laying around everywhere. And like, well, Doug, collect is a little more expensive than the quarter. Not if you do it this way. Remember when you, you, so you dial zero, then the 10 digits, and then it would say, state your name, and it records your name. And I would say, Doug, pick me up. And so then my parents' phone would ring, and they'd say, you have a collect call from Doug, pick me up. And they would decline the collect call, get in the car, and come pick me up, right? And so, again, but there's not always that solution anymore. So how do we go about doing this? Well, there are, there are companies out there, Bark and Gab Wireless, that have created excellent devices. Bark, I would say this is the smartphone for your high schooler. Children, they, again, with, with this... Bark is a monitoring software company based out of Atlanta, all right? They're the best at what they do. They have developed a phone that has their system within the entire fiber of the phone. Children can't delete text messages. They can't download workaround VPNs, which is a virtual private network, which a lot of kids will use to get around your parental controls on things. VPNs, and won't allow you to change the parental controls that you set. It does allow for social media, it monitors and manages those kinds of things. In fact, better than anybody else that we have found. And so if you want to learn more about Bark's phone, this is that way to go about it. I would say this is the best device out there for your high school age kids. If you want to give them your hand-me-down iPhone or Android phone, fine. Go to our, our device setup controls and our, our uh, 
descriptions on how to do all that on our website and set that up. But if you're looking for something that is from its very core about the protection of your kid, this is a great solution. For those of you that have kids that are in elementary school or middle school, oh, I skip. I didn't tap on it right. There we go. Uh, Gab Wireless. The smart watch, I think, is excellent for elementary school. Their phone is an excellent option for middle school. It doesn't have social media on it. It doesn't have internet on it, but you can text. You can call. It has GPS. You can know where your kid is. There's a variety of different things that you can do with this, and that's kind of that, that, initi- that initiatory step into having access and content to your kids. Ultimately, though, we want you to find a software and a platform that works for your family, whether that's Covenant Eyes or if it's Snap or if it's a, a Screen Time, which is the hourglass, that's the parental controls on an Apple device, or Family Link, which is that kite icon, that's the parental controls on an Android device, Chromebooks, those kinds of things, or Bark, whatever it is, find a software that works for your family. Why? Because we want to raise families that are prepared, that are balanced, that are protected, that we are modeling the kind of behavior we want to see replicated in our kids. We're having shoulder-to-shoulder activities. We're asking good questions. We're giving them instruction and coaching them along the way. One of the ways that you can kind of learn all of the stuff that we're learning and putting out there. We have a newsletter, an email newsletter that you can sign up for. Please put the email address that you actually check and not the one you use to get free dessert on your birthday. Um, You know the difference between the two. If I ever give you an at gmail.com email address, I never anticipate replying or sending anything to you. If I give you an app protectyoungeyes.com email address, I have every intention to reply. So just giving you that heads up, all right? We all have those kinds of things, but this is a way that we have an on-staff researcher um, that has a PhD in microbiology and he's used that brain as a, as a stay-at-home mom to say, I want to delve the depths of the internet to find great resources and monitor. And hey, this app was number 63 download last week and it's number 26 this week. Why did it jump? How is it being used? Is is it being used by children? Do we need to download it and write an app review on it, get it to our website and get ahead of this and all those kinds of things? She's fantastic. Her research gets put into what this newsletter is. We have an app that we've created. You can search Protect Young Eyes in both the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. An excellent documentary that's out there is Childhood 2.0. I highly recommend you watch this by yourself or with your spouse, and then you think, which of our kids can we watch this with next? I absolutely think it's appropriate for high schoolers. I personally think it's appropriate for middle schoolers, but there are high school age kids interviewed in this documentary. It was funded by Bark. We are interviewed in it. Chris McKenna, our founder, is interviewed in this documentary. It's fantastic. For those of you that are on social media, it may feel kind of weird that I would say, hey, we're there too. But because that's where you are, we want to get our content to you. If you're on Instagram, that's pro- Instagram, Facebook are probably our most active platforms. But we have stuff on YouTube. We have stuff on Twitter. We have stuff on Pinterest. We have stuff on LinkedIn. We have, st- I mean, a variety of different platforms. But go to Instagram first. And ultimately, as we wrap things up, it is ultimately our responsibility as parents to recognize we are not our kids' savior. We are not our kids' redeemer, protector. Ultimately, it's to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. 
according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless.